Well, amen. God is good, isn't he, all the time? The day that I really learned that, it forever changed my heart. I really looked at him like he was my father and that he was going to provide whatever I needed because I know just being natural parents, that's what we want to do. We want our kids to do better than us, and they are. And it's just because we have told them that they are great people. We've always told them we were proud of them. I'm not saying they've been perfect. I mean, nobody is. But they live great lives, and they have given us 10 beautiful grandchildren. And, and they're perfect in every way. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But I just want to encourage you today that God knows right where you are. He knows exactly where you are and what you're facing today. I don't know what it is, but he does. And there's such comfort in knowing that because he can fix it if it needs to be fixed. So I just want to encourage you with that today. God bless you. Thank you for having us. I want to talk to you today about why God loves the, loves the church. Why God loves the, 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 the church is amazing. We need to look into it scripturally. First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and ground of the truth. I looked that word house up, and it's the Greek word oikos, O-I-K-O-S, oikos. It means a dwelling. By implication, the family itself, a family. Your house is your, is your building, the house you live in, it's also your, your children and family that, that live there with you. This house is you and this house is it. You see what I mean? This same word is used for both things. I believe God can't tell the difference. He, he does, not, does not bless the people without blessing their building. We're not blessing the building without blessing the people. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And later on, when Peter told, talked about that in 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, he said that we were with him in the holy mountain. So there's such a thing as a holy place. See, in the New Covenant, New Covenant said that there's such a thing as a holy place. This building is holy because we're here. Because holy things happen to you here. Amen. A house, an inhabited, an inhabited house, a home, any building, whatever, of a palace or a house of God, the tabernacle. That's what oikos means. You want to make a friend of the word by saying it? Oikos. You try it. Oikos. O-I-K-O-S. Now take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse We've got a lot of scriptures to look up today, but I'll tell you a few stories along the way. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3. This is when Solomon had built the temple, the temple that Jesus called the house of God, prayer, a house of prayer for all people. He called it the house of the Lord. 
First Kings chapter 9, verse 3 says, And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, Solomon, and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which, was built, which thou hast built to put my name there forever. Listen to this last phrase. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. His eyes are upon it, and his heart is in it. God's eyes are upon the house, and his heart is in the house. God's eyes are upon you, and his heart is in you. His eyes are upon this house, his heart is in this house. You're thinking about that. Every time you come to church, God is here. You may not say, I feel God, but he's here. It's the same whether you feel him or not. What God's really, what, what's he really saying? I love my house. What he's really saying is, I love my house. I love my temple. I love my people. I love my church. Why God loves the church. I want to talk to you about that today. Why God loves the church. Why does he love the church? Because there's five things here. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. Five things why God loves the church. It's how he adds to his family. The basic way God adds to his family. How many of you got saved by, because of a church? Most of you did. You got saved because of the church. It's how he adds to his family. And God wants a big family. Looking for a big family. You know what I'm saying? That's why, that's why we're still here. The main reason we're still here is to extend the family of God. Number two, it's how he teaches, trains, and disciplines his family. The church is how the mechanism he uses to teach and train and disciple his family, discipline his family. They're not teaching you about the Word of God in, in the schools anymore. They're not. It's not the, really not their job, but it's our job. Number three, it is the epicenter of faith in the earth. It is the epicenter of faith in the earth. Church is. That's why God loves it. Number four, it is where people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. It's where you come in and say, God is good to me. And give him glory back. It's where God's people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. Number five, it's because the price he paid for it was so great. Whatever cost you so much, you learn to love. The price he paid for it was so great. Let's start back at the top of that list now. God loves the church because it's how he adds to his family. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, we'll have it on the screen here for you. Acts chapter 2. Verse 46 says, And they continued daily with one accord in, in, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor, favor, favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now this scripture, we legitimately question a person's salvation if they were not going to the church. Anybody can say, I love Jesus, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. But if you join to the church, we know you're saved. If you join to the church, we know you're saved. You don't always know if somebody got saved if they don't not join to the church. This says they were added to the church daily. That means it started showing up. That means they started showing up. When the churches were together, they, they were with the church. 
That's how they knew that they were saved. I had a friend who had a son-in-law who uh, was it, came to a special meeting. They had a special meeting. You know, prophet came and the prophet prophesied over the son-in-law. Told him he had a great ministry ahead of him. He's going to, God was going to use him. Had a lot of big stuff. It was just real big and flowery. The son-in-law came to his dad, his father-in-law, after the service. He was the pastor of the church. He said, well, how do I get started, Dad? He said, well, I think you might start coming to church. <laughs> start there. That's where it all starts. You know that? Discipleship starts with going to church. Is this too deep? Second thing is, God loves the church because it's how he teaches and trains and dis- disciplines his family. Look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 verse 19 says, hey Sam, would you read that for me? You have a microphone down there. Yeah, there's a girl who has a microphone. Bert, read I'll, that. Yes. Just start reading. Verse 19. It's a long passage. Yeah. Now they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyrus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. That is the Gentile Greeks. Go ahead. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent both Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You see, let's stop right there. They were teaching them. The church is a teaching place. God does not want his children to be ignorant. I found ten times in in the New Testament where it says that I do not want you to be ignorant. I got a ten, ten commandments of, not, of ignorance. I teach them all. Ten things you should not be ignorant of. Most people are pr- pretty ignorant of all those ten things. God wants you to know what he's, what he's talking about, what his plan is for the earth. But you're not saved by how well you perform. But other people will be. Other people will be saved by how well you perform. Amen. Yes. Now let's talk about the discipline part. First Corinthians chapter five, verses three, four, and five. There was a guy in this Corinthian church who was committing adultery with his mother, with his stepmother. Ugh. <laughs> mm. Paul gives a sentence about it. Read verse three there. 
Primarily as absent in body but present in spirit, they judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so, hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my, in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Wow. When have you seen the church discipline like this? Just don't. We're disciplining in the, in the flesh. Disciplining the, the ordinary things. He said the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word power is dunamis. That word power, power of Jesus Christ is dunamis. It's the explosive right now power to act. The mighty, mighty deeds kind of act of power. Not the authority, but the power. You know what the difference between those two Greek words are, don't you? The two Greek words that are translated power in the Bible. It's, there's exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, exousia, which means authority, and dunamis, which means power. On a cop, that looks like a badge and a gun. You got that? Yeah. If you don't stop for the badge, you'll stop for the gun. Better have both. Better to have both. Here, something, something dynamic is going to happen right there. What happens is the devil goes after them. Huh. If you've got somebody giving you a church of grief, turn them over to the devil. You can. In the name of Jesus, you can. The power of God will go out. We did it at, 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 at McKinney one time. There was a guy who was tormenting me, tormenting the church, saying awful, horrible things. We got the, our elders together. We went in the back room. We prayed for one, one time, one time. Just turned him over to the devil. He went away. Dropped off the internet. He went away. I don't know what happened to him. Never heard. Maybe, maybe he died. Maybe he didn't. I don't care. <laughs> we just dealt with him that, that way, the way they dealt with him here. Yeah. And the power of God showed up and de delivered us from his tongue. Amen. The church has authority to, to discipline in the spirit of Paul, in the spirit of Paul. Listen to that. He said, you get together in my spirit, Paul's spirit. When do you hear the church talk about Paul's spirit being, being a good thing to have around? See this? You get together in the spirit of Paul, which is with a mystery that he had from God. He had a mystery that nobody else had about how you're saved today. If you cannot decide where to start reading the Bible, start reading in Romans and read through Hebrews. And back up and read Romans through Hebrews. Read Romans through Hebrews. Read that until you've got it memorized, then you can go other places. <laughs> Amen. God loves his church because this is where you get children disciplined and trained and taught. Amen. Yeah. I, I meet Christians all the time that are so shallow because they've been saved 25 years and jump from church to church to church to church. And every time it gets a little hard in one church, they go to someplace else. Never let God bring his discipline in their lives. Mm. Amen. I'm preaching good. Yes. All I have to do is satisfy me. I don't care. You see, I didn't come to make friends. I, mean, I, I still got friends I'm trying to get rid of. I don't need more friends. Number three, it is the epicenter of faith in the earth. Acts 16.5, let's turn there. 
Acts chapter 16, verse 5. It is the epicenter of faith in the earth. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Wow. Now look at look at Thess- Second Thessalonians one, verse four. So that ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. Which you endure. Yes. How do you endure in this life? By faith. Mm-hmm. I have people ask me all the time, you know, and they, they mean well. How are you feeling, Pastor John? Normally I say, what the heck difference does that make? What difference does it make how I feel? When you walk by faith, you don't care about how you feel. All you care about is fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Why is faith so important to God? Well, it seems like God is obsessed with us believing him. It seems like he's obsessed. How many, how many of you know God wants everybody to be saved? He does not want anybody to go to hell. Okay, that's the truth. He paid a high price to see that they would not go to hell. He gave Jesus to the man, woman, boy, girl, so nobody would have to go to hell. But if that person hears the gospel about the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, which is what is the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel Paul said he preached to everybody. The real gospel is not about, not about you, it's about Jesus, what he did. Not about what you do, not about, not about repentance, but it's about what he did. And your faith in that. See, that, that's the real gospel. It's a real one. I know, I know you've heard other things, but that's the real gospel. That's the whole thing right there, in a nutshell. Not John, 3, John 3, 16 is not the gospel. It cannot be the gospel. Jesus didn't die in that. He did not rise from the dead in that verse. You see that? It's all about his death, burial, and resurrection. <clears throat> but if a man hears that gospel and refuses to believe it, God will let that man go to hell. God will let that man go to hell. After he's paid such a high price to keep him from going to hell, he'll let him go to hell because God is obsessed with being believed. Why? Why is he so obsessed with being believed? Because that's where it went wrong in the first place. In the Garden of Eden, what was the real sin? I'll tell you what the real sin was. It was unbelief. Satan showed up to Eve said, Has God said? She believes God said. Thou shalt not touch the tree. Thou shalt not eat of that tree. Yeah, God said we can have all of, all of the trees, but that one right over there in the middle of the garden, we cannot have that one. Because we can't even touch that one because if we eat it, we eat that tree, it'll kill us. What's she saying that tree is? Poison. That tree is poison to us. If we eat that, we die that day. You know what happened? The devil said, you shall not truly die. And she believed that. Yeah. And the next time, the very next verse says, and she looked at the tree and saw that it was good for food. What happened to her? What happened to you, Eve? What happened to you, honey? I mean, Grandma? <laughs> you, you looked at that, that tree one moment and it looked like poison and the next moment it looked like it was good for food. How'd that happen? It happened by what she believed. 
her believing changed, went into unbelief. You see what I mean? This is what took man away. Unbelief. Not believing the Word of God caused us to die in our sins. This is why God is obsessed with it. If you won't believe, He can't help you. Totally. He won't help you. Awesome. Have faith in God, they say. Nobody's going to say that but you. God loves the church because it's full of faith. It's where the faith of God is exhibited, preached, and taught, where people learn to believe God. They hear the word of God, that's where our faith comes. They're not going to say that at the schoolhouse anymore, have faith in God. Don't go to the doctor and expect him to tell you have faith in God. Don't go to your banker, especially not the banker. <laughs> say, have faith in God, boy, it's going to be okay. The lawyer, the mayor, none of them would say, it's not their job, it's our job to say, say have faith in God. Yes, yes. Not the scattered church, but the, the gathered church. That, one, that, that word means that. Ecclesia means gathered ones. The called out gathered ones. The ones who come out of their homes and come together. Amen. Simple. I uh, had my assistant this week. He sent me a little text. Said, Doc, he always calls me Doc. Doc, what is your one, one verse you would boil the faith, your favorite faith verse? I said, I can't do that. I sent him a list of about 10, you know. I sent him Mark 11, 22 and 23, 24. You know what it says? Have faith in God. For verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I send him Hebrews 11 1. 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Did you hear that? The substance of things you're hoping for, the evidence that things are, that are not seen are real. Things that are not seen are real. Your faith says that. I said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone, everyone who believes. Romans 1, 16. 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. I said, Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. So it says, For what saith it? What says this? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we, we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just because you're right on the inside does not mean you're right on the outside. You hear me? You say, you believe it in your heart that makes you righteous. You say it with your mouth that, that causes that righteousness to make you saved in every area of your, of your life. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Preaching myself happy this morning. <laughs> Who here can tell me when the Revolutionary War ended? Who here can tell me when the Revolution ended? I've told you this before. You still don't know, do you? <laughs> You know why we don't know that today? Anybody tell me why we don't know that date? We don't care. 
it's not an indictment against the public school system either. I might do that, but it's not, 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 not right now. Hey, thanks. I have my water. I want to tell you this. The reason we don't know that day is because our teachers didn't want us to know that date. Our forefathers did not care about that date. You see, that's the day, October the 19th, 1781, was when Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington at Yorktown, Virginia. That's when England said we could be free. You don't care when, when your enemy says you can be free. We do celebrate a date, though, don't we? What date do we celebrate? July 4th, 1776. That's when, the date, that's when the war started. That's when the war began. We celebrate that date. Why? Because everybody who's free knows you're not free when your enemy says, your enemy stops fighting you. You're free on the day you make up your mind to make your own declaration of freedom. Now, if you shall confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus. You've got to get it in your mouth and say it. Glory to God. They're free, but you're free because you say you're free, not because the devil says you're free. Not because you don't have any problems. You're going to have problems if you say you're free. You'll have a, you'll have a struggle on your hands. Glory to God. But you will win because Jesus already won. Why does God love his church? Well, he loves the church because it's where people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. Acts 14, verse 27. Let's look at that. It's where people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. Acts 14, 27 says, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. This is Paul and Barnabas. They came and gave testimony back to the church of what God had done for them. They were just giving their testimony, seeing God move. Great peace came over the church, and great power was demonstrated because of this. Read Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Who is not ashamed to call them brethren? Jesus. Talk about Jesus, read on. Read the next verse. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Jesus was, was in this church this morning singing. Jesus was in this church this morning singing. I heard him. I heard him. I heard him. Somebody behind me sounded like Jesus talking to me. I heard him singing behind me. Are you listening to me? When you're singing, that's Jesus singing, giving glory to God through you. This is Jesus in the midst of his church, praising the Father for his people. You know, every tongue, they say, every person's tongue, your tongue, this tongue, has its own print. Did you know that? Just like your thumbprint, just like your fingerprints. Your tongue is unique, just like your thumbprint. Did you know that? Has its own print. 
You know why that is? You know why that is? So on Sunday morning, it started over there in the east. This morning, praise went up in the church. Churches all over the eastern, east, coast, east coast and the churches in the middle of the country started their church services. All around, this, all around the world, it'll go today. Praise go up to God. Thousands, millions, maybe even more than a billion people will sing praises to God. This way, your tongue printed your words. God can pick you out of that crowd. You're unique. Amen. Makes you think about saying something to God, don't it? Makes you want to make sure you, you chime in. So just moving your lips, letting somebody else do the singing. Well, it got quiet right there, didn't it? <laughs> Amen. Open your mouth and sing. Worship God. Praise Him. God loves that church because of that. I've seen churches prosper and grow with the worst doctrine you ever heard because they worship God. They give themselves to worship. The churches have flourished because the people worship. I remember when Eric came home from college one time. He went to CFNI too. Of course, because he's got a brain. He, uh, he came home, and we, we make a worship tape there every year. You, know, you ever hear about our worship tape that we do? Eric brought one home. He said, Dad, I got the new CFNI worship tape. He said, this one is really special, Daddy. I said, well, we, we, we make one every year. What's so special about this one? He said, I'm on this one. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, put it on. He put it on. Listen, 1,200 students singing, singing to Jesus. I listened, listened, listened. I said, which one is you? <laughs> he said, I don't know, but I'm in there. <laughs> he knew he was there. God could tell which one was him. Yeah. Amen. Did you know, listen, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. I believe this for a fact. In heaven, they're singing right now. Worship goes on all the time in heaven. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, John said there was a number of people so large that nobody can number them, right? As the redeemed of the earth. He tells us who they are. He's talking about us. He saw this number of people, did he? Did he not, did he not say that? Number two, large to number. You know, John was the one who was always saying 5,000, 4,000, telling us how many thousands were there. He could look at a piece of ground and see how many, know how many people were sitting there but just by looking at them. There's 1,000, 2,000. You can see him fast forward in his vision and the re- revelation. Must have been standing there looking at this big crowd going 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, 200,000, half a million uh, hold it still, hold it still, y'all are moving around too much. I guess I thought over one, two, three, you know. How many times did you have to do that before you just Nobody can number that number. Nobody can, no, it's just too many to number. That's what he said about it. How do you get a crowd like that? Listen to me. How do you get a crowd like that? You must have individuals come together. Who did he see? What individuals were, were there? He saw us there. He saw you turn to the person. He saw you there. Turn, turn to the person next to you and say, "He saw you." He saw you there. It had to be us. It had to be us. It's billions. It had to be us. He saw. If you don't make it, how are they going to re- 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 rewrite the book? 
The book is right. You're there. How are they going to realize that book? Hey, man, it's just a thought. Number five. Why God loves the church. The price he paid for it was so great. Acts 20, 28. Let's read that. Paul talking to the Ephesian elders. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now for those of all your friends who do not believe that Jesus is God, when did God have blood? Because God purchases the church with his blood. When did he have blood? In Jesus. That called him God right there. Do you know it costs the U.S. Mint twice as much to, uh, to make a penny as the penny is worth? <laughs> Same for a nickel. It costs a dime to make a nickel. <laughs> but they still do that all the time. Why? Because we need those pennies and nickels. We need those pennies and nickels, apparently. <laughs> I think we need them. They get more for it than what it's worth. I remember sitting in a house one time. I asked the realtor, I said, ma'am, what's this house worth? She said, what do, you want to, what do you want to say it's worth? I said, that's why I have you out here. What's it worth? She said, she said sir, it's worth whatever you say it is. I said, a million dollars. She said, uh, well, let's, let's put it this way. It's worth whatever somebody will pay for it. That's a big difference right there. If, if you are worth what God would pay for you, what are you worth? What did God pay for you? What are you worth today to God? This is why he loves you so much. Because there's so much invested in you. Think of what he got invested in you. I love my kids. I loved them when they were born. But after I'd paid so much to get them through school and everything, they were worth a lot more to me. <laughs> I wanted them to succeed, you know. Last year, the government spent over $100 million. They'll, they'll do it again this year. Making pennies and nickels. That was, over the budget. But we need pennies and nickels. We need them. I don't know what for, but we need them. Uh, anybody here watch Antiques Roadshow? You watch Antiques Roadshow? You know what it is? Television show about antiques. The older I get, the more I like that kind of thing. <laughs> I used to play with that. I used to have one of those. I wish I had a kitchen. I didn't know it was going to be worth $1,000 now. <laughs> you know, I, but I like the end of the show. Somebody's always got something up there in front of the camera that's showing it. This is our grandmother's priceless heirloom. Found out it's worth $3.50. $3 Her <laughs> priceless heirloom just became worthless heirloom. 
But then, then they say something like this. They say priceless to us because of our grandmothers. Why? Well, because love elevates everything. Love elevates everything. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that his, his price for us went up. He'd do anything to get us back. God loves the church because the price he paid was so great. What price did he pay? Well, he paid the price of Jesus' life. How can a man have a victory in death? I'll tell you how. A guy named Frank Hayes in 1923, wrote in the Belmont Stakes in New York, New York, uh, Long Island, New York. That's where, uh, y'all remember Secretary, the Great Horse? That's where, uh, that Belmont was where he did that big race, and won by 30, 30, 33 links, I think it was, 31 or 33 links. Holds a track record by two full seconds. Crazy. In 1923, 50 years before Secretary did that in 73, a man named Frank Hayes rode that race, the Belmont Stakes, and won it. But he was dead. On the horse, he was dead. He had a heart attack during the race sometime and died. But he didn't fall off the horse, stayed on the horse. And won the race. Dead man won the race. I said, a dead man won the race. Dead man led the way to victory. That's what happened for you. Exactly what happened for you. A dead man won your victory. Then he rose from the dead to prove how victorious he was. For if when we were sinners we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. As sure as you're saved, you're even more going to be saved. You were saved by, by, by the blood of Jesus. How many believe you were saved by the death of Christ? Amen. You're even going to be surely more saved because he, he lives. Amen. That's, what, that's Romans 5.10. What, what do we say here today? Why God loves the church? It's because it's how he adds to his family. Because it's how he teaches, trains, and disciplines his family. It's how he brings them into order, gets a word into them. God loves the church because it is the epicenter of faith in the, in the earth. And God loves the church because it is where people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. And finally, God loves the church so much because the price he paid for it was so great. Now, Father, I thank you for this day. We've gone through a lot of material here. I pray you'll make it real for their hearts. Let them experience the the true reality of what you mean to say here today. I've done all I can do. I did my best. I believe your spirit will even do better. Print it on their hearts. Like like their words are printed from their tongue. Impress their, their hearts with that word today. Help them to see that God loves his house, he loves his temple, he loves his church, and they can take part in that 
with their, with their own giving. Express how much they love God, how much they love you, Father, for what they can do in giving. In Jesus' name, amen.